The earth pulled him down, tugging at him like a burdensome friend. Richard Bolero felt trapped as he looked up at the stars, cut off from the openness of space. Earth's turbulent ocean of air was the cloudy lens of a giant eye, sun-blinded by day, astigmatic by night. Even here in the desert, the stars lacked the brilliance he had come to know on the moon. The planet was nervously alive around him, enveloping his body in an aura of sounds, smells, and dust, pushing against his skin, trying to make him fit in again. The physical adjustments of coming home were a nuisance. His adaptation to Luna's gentle pull conflicted with his muscle memory of Earth's stronger attraction, even though he had kept in shape through exercise. He missed the moon's stillness. A year at Plato University had made him a stranger on the home world. And at home. He had not come back to New Mexico just to attend this evening's party for his father and Bolero Enterprises. Margot had been first in his plans, and he was anxious to get away from the celebration as soon as possible. He had not seen her for over six months, ever since she had completed her fieldwork on the moon and had returned to Princeton to continue her studies in biology. He was looking forward to personal talks with his Uncle Sam and with Orton Blackfriar. They would at least notice his progress. Sam's courses in philosophy had been the brightest part of his first two years at Princeton, opening his mind to problems beyond those of family and self-concern. Sam and Orton would be in New York during the next two weeks, and he had a dinner date with them. He would stay with Margot until then and return to the moon by the first of May. He was impatient for the party to be over. Richard turned away from the terrace railing and hesitated. There was no point in going back inside. His parents were monopolizing Sam and Orton, and he had lost his taste for starting pointless conversation with strangers. He was tired of playing the promising son of a man who had not spoken to him for most of the evening and whose presence seemed to destroy the possibility of genuine conversation. Richard took a deep breath of the night air. He stretched, feeling a pleasant ache as his muscles adjusted to the earth's pull. It was like coming back to life. Nevertheless, the dry, starry silence of the walled lunar plain at Plato made possible a clarity of thought which was missing here. There he could look out into the vast cave of stars with a measured emotion, with a sense of the future, while here on earth his thoughts longed for sunlight and warm water and lovemaking. There the lunar shadows were sharp, eliciting clear distinctions in his mind, cutting away the jungle growth of his emotions. Here his feelings grew in a jumble, obscuring his goals, weakening him. He missed the spirit of consensus among Plato's scientists and teachers, as well as the cooperativeness of the lunar colonists. It was the same, he had been told, among the L5 colonists of Asterome and on Mars and Ganymede. The colonies were a new branch of humanity, 
joined to their environment through a problem-solving struggle, which demanded of them the resolve to work through disagreements to the best possible conclusion, whatever that might turn out to be. The openness of free space was matched by the openness of inquiring minds. Failure in maintaining this attitude could result in costly disasters and loss of life. Those who lived permanently on the moon, Mars, or Ganymede could never return to the high gravity of Earth without powered external support harnesses or wheelchairs. Much of this growing population had no desire ever to visit Earth. Asterome maintained an Earth-like gravity, but even so, the colonists had more in common with sun-space humanity than with Earth. He wondered if he and Margot could cut themselves off from Earth, begin a new life elsewhere in the solar system's growing family of environments. He wondered if he could ever cut himself off from the fact of his family name.